Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Chills. How are we all? It's not been the greatest week, but not the worst either. It's been an odd week. And that's what's happened this season. We think a draw is a loss, but it's actually a draw, and it's more points than Liverpool. We think an away win in the Champions League is not so great, but it's three points. And we'll analyse all of this, this deep thinking about what actually happened this week with, of course, my old mucker, Mr. Andy Saunders. How are you doing, mate? All right. I'm, I'm, I'm doing all right. Uh, you know, I mean, sadly, people can't see that you're carrying on flicking V signs at me. Which... I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, see, you can tell you've been in PR for years. You can just lie by looking straight in my eyes. Terrible business. Um, you're all right, though. Uh, Whoever you are. (laughs) (laughs) You've literally forgotten my name, haven't you? Uh, I have. It's called senility. (laughs) Uh, I'm fine. Thank you very much. I'm fine. Yeah, I'm I'm all right. Uh, Good. Busy, but, you know, I mean, just just perfectly fine. Thank you. That's really good. How polite this has suddenly turned into. And now another polite introduction for our old mucker as well. Another mucker. We've got a lot of muck in here today. Uh, It's comedian Jeff Whiting. How are you, Jeff? And has this been a comical week for you? I have. Very busy, but uh, been a good one. What have you been busy with, Jeff? Oh, a lot of stuff. I've just, um, I I look after artist management for um, Mirth Control, which is my company. We've signed up some rather good comics and, um, yeah, we have a few of them doing some interesting auditions for things. Uh, And films, funnily enough. Uh, some of them, uh, that sort of thing. Yeah, so all very good. Uh, even though they're comics, you know, they're, they're very keen to get into the comic acting world. We've had a little bit of success in the last week or so with a couple of castings. So, yeah, that's been good. But with the with the Burnley game, I was in a hotel room because I couldn't get a ticket. And I was in a hotel room confident that I could watch it via some sort of... Uh, nefarious means through vpn and uh spent an hour trying to use my card to pay to have access and eventually saw the last five minutes oh so were you abroad no no but i was going through vpn you don't you don't, you don't, you don't need to go through a vpn jeff you well just... whatever the point is yeah. i i googled it and then it said put your card i spent most of the game putting my 
my card details in and it not working for some reason and managed uh. to see five minutes. I managed to just see the five minutes after they'd all equalized and that was it. Well, can well, I ask, can I ask, how, have you actually got any money left in your account? <laughs> no, no, I think I've been rinsed by about five <laughs> companies that don't exist that say you can watch Chelsea live. Yeah. And about hundred pounds <laughs> so, to see five minutes after it was one all. Okay. Well, that, that, yeah. That's all good, isn't it? Because then that'll be a really short show. We just need to talk about the last five minutes. Yeah, the last five minutes. Whoa, what a five minutes. Well, didn't yeah. He nearly yeah. logged uh, Mendy, but we didn't really need to log Mendy, though, did he? Because that's what the commentary said, but it was miles wide, wasn't it? I know, but that's also what happens when you pay for strange streams online, but you mm. get really dodgy commentary. Mm. You know, it's not like quality stuff. No. But anyway, we, we, we will help you find your way in the future, Grasshopper. We will teach you the ways. Um, all right, well, look, let's let's go back, because in the middle of the week, we had the Champions League game away at Malmo. Now, we dispatched them 4-0 quite easily the game previously. Uh, we always said, and we talked about this last week, that, yeah, perhaps it'll be a slightly different occasion over in Malmo. And so it proved to be, didn't it, Andy? I mean, we, we you, uh, I suppose, isn't we are sort of struggling to to revamp the side overly at the moment because the injuries have taken their toll. Were mm. you surprised at, at the team we put out, or was it to be expected? Well, I'm never surprised at the team we put out, to be honest, because it's Tommy Tuchel's, you know, surprise package every game, isn't it? Um, obviously, those those injuries you refer to, particularly Werner and Lukaku, were picked up in the home game against Malmo. Um, so, so they were always going to be out. Uh, and we had Kai Havertz continuing his uh, brave run in the nine, number nine role. Uh, Mendy in goal, back three of Christensen, Silva and Rudiger. Uh, he went for Loftus-Cheek and Jorginho uh, in the middle uh, with Alonso and Azpilicueta as the wing-backs and with Ziyech and Hudson-Odoi sitting behind Havertz. So not really surprised. I mean, we've got a squad that he seems to be using to the fullest. So I, I, I guess Ziyech coming in was a was a little bit of a, a, a sort of an eyebrow raiser, but not really. And, and neither was Hudson-Odoi. You, you know, you expect him to, to use players. So, you know, that's on paper bearing in mind the fact that we battered them in the in the home leg, uh, I, I felt was going to be enough. Yeah, I, I guess that that's absolutely true. But it turned out to be a, a tricky old game. The one thing I would say, I mean, Jeff, I don't know if you saw the game. I presume you did. But what absolutely came across on the TV was their crowd. I mean, it was just fantastic. I mean, for 20 minutes, it was just one thing. But then there was a bit of variation. But they never let up. It was, I mean, it must have been electric to be in that stadium. That's the kind of stadium you'd love to be in as an away fan. Because knowing Chelsea, there was one point where you heard them singing really loud. It was, it came across on TV though, didn't it, Jeff? Yeah, absolutely. It was relentless, wasn't it? Uh, But it was reminded me a little bit of some of the, the way some of the, a lot of the domestic games had that in the 70s and 80s tend to have that. Perhaps we don't seem to... I think it goes down to what Andy's mentioned before about a lot of tourists being at Stamford Bridge. Do you know what I mean? Because, because, because back in the 70s and 80s, I can remember being at games where the English crowds were like were at it like that for the whole 80, 80 or 90 minutes. But it seemed, reminded me of that. But it was... Yeah, it was fantastic. Yeah, it was... I mean, the atmosphere was amazing. But I think we did quite well. You know, at least we got the win. But it was, it was as Andy just said, you're never quite sure what team you put out. But all those players are good, aren't they? I mean, you can't say none of them are good. 
the players he did put out. One one thing you could say about about the atmosphere was it, it helped that it's a small stadium. It was only twenty two thousand capacity stadium, um, and yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. I thought it was brilliant. Um, I mean, it's a cliche to say it was Viking like, but it had that very very tribal feel about it, didn't it? And um, yeah, I, I would imagine uh, incredibly helpful for the Malmo team to have the crowd bouncing in the way they were. Yeah, cliche. What cliche? Um, you know, <laughs> but it does. Well, everybody something. always says that about Scandinavian teams, don't they? All yeah. the kind of Viking roar. But there wasn't a, a sort of an element of you know, sort of. Uh, uh, you it know, was earthy, say, earthy tribalism about it, wasn't it? It was. Yeah, uh, I, I thought it. it was great. I thought it was really good. Yeah, I you know I've worked over in Malmo, and I would have, it's the kind of game I would have loved to have been able to go to because I could probably have got tickets, sourced them over there. Um, and Malmo is a fantastic city, it really is. And it's such an easy journey, you know. In principle, in the old days, you'd just fly to Copenhagen and go on the, the bridge across into into Sweden, which is uh, absolutely an amazing trip. But, but sadly, it wasn't there. Um, but it did lift the game. Do you think there was something interesting that Tuchel said afterwards, that he was, for the first 15 minutes, he felt as though he'd made a mistake picking Ruben Loftus-Cheek. But then he upped his game and started to show what he can do. Is he still working out Ruben or does he have faith in him and Ruben needs to repay that, Andy? Uh, I think he's having more and more faith in him. Um, Ruben, I think, has been a revelation this season. Uh, We've always had slight concerns over his stamina, over his elite mentality, perhaps, his consistency. Um, But all of those things seem to be in place this season. I think having that driving role from midfield, rather than trying to play him as either a holding midfielder or as a number 10, which is what previous managers have done. Um, I think in that sort of double six pivot, he's he's really found, found his position. Um, and... I think he's a goal threat. I think he's an assist threat. I think he's a big physical presence in the middle. Uh, look, there's a lot to, to like about Ruben uh, this season, and, and it's on him, really, to keep improving and, and, and to keep putting himself in the manager's plans. And do you think he's really acquitting himself at the moment, Jeff? I mean, he did have a slow start against Malmo, but there was there was that flick he did over one of the Malmo players' heads and ran round the other side and took it on. Um, and there's just things. You see trickery, but you see power and energy. And could he go on, do you think, and really establish himself in this whole setup? I, I think he could um, because we, there were flashes of it before he was put on loan, weren't there? There were flash, you know, in, in games, certain games. He has scored some great goals even two or three years ago. And, but it was flashes, you know, as, as Andy says, one consistent. But he's always had it. And, and, and also, I think it's quite unusual. You know, it's not that often you get someone of that height playing in midfield. You know, he's physically, as you just said, he's a physical presence as well. But he's got that touch, as you said, to do that flick. And I think he needs just more confidence. I think sometimes you look at his actual face, you know, it sounds ridiculous, but you look at Ronaldo and various other players, they look like, you know, Fierce, you know, fierce. sometimes you look at Ruben Loftus-Cheek's face after he's just been fouled and he doesn't look particularly annoyed or anything. He looks a bit sort of blank and you think, come on, yeah, because he's, he's got such a physical presence and he's so good. But you just think, he just needs the edge. He needs the edge to think, I'm the best. I'm going to boss this game. I'm bossing everybody, you know, because he's playing, if he plays in that position, he's got, I think he needs just a tiny bit more, 
not physical aggression, but mental aggression that, you know, this is me, get out of my way. Do you know what I mean? Sometimes I look at him, he looks a little bit less fierce than the other players, you know, and I think he needs a bit of oomph. You know, it's interesting because actually it's what Roy Keane would talk about. He talked about this with United a couple of times over the last few weeks where he said, just every now and then, I, he talks about himself. He said, every now and then. Don't do the accent. I'm not doing the accent. <laughs> uh, he said, every now and then, uh, when I wasn't playing well, I would find myself going into a tackle and taking the man out and getting a card just to get myself going. And you kind of feel sometimes Ruben needs that because I, I don't think I've ever seen him commit a bad foul. He's, he, he is a bit timid and maybe just needs to add a little bit of nastiness or maybe Tuchel's worked out, let other people around him do the nastiness, let him just go on and pick up the fouls, slalom through players, let him, as Andy says, create assists. I don't well, know. What do you think, Andy? I, I, there's something to be said for that. I, I, I think he, I think Jess right. I think he does need to, to get a little bit more um, nastiness in his game uh, just to layer on some more of that physical presence because he's such a big lad. He's he's so charismatic in that midfield. I think if, if he could develop some kind of fear factor around him as well, that's only going to add to his game. One one area that I think I would like to see him improve is aerially. I think for his size and his height, he's not as dominant in the air as he should be. So that's an area of his game that I would like him to, uh, to work on. But certainly with the ball at his feet, he's, a, he's an absolute... Um, um, you know, Rolls Royce moving forward, um, and we need to, you know, to play to those strengths. Um, but there, you know, there are still elements of his game that he can improve. Yeah, no, I, I'd agree with that. I, I mean, the first half was a weird half from us. Um, it was very stop-start. We couldn't really get going, and then Tuchel switched Ziyech and Callum in the in the second half. You know, put Callum out on the right-hand side, which is his less favoured side. And Ziek went out to the left and it seemed to pay dividends because as much as Callum apparently loves the left-hand side, that always means he's cutting inside. And if you're cutting inside all the time, defenders at this level just pick that up all the time and know you're going to do that. So it's not really a threat. Whereas on the right, if you can go outside the man and cross it in, it's a far more dangerous thing to do, don't you think, Jeff? Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, I mean, that switch worked, really, didn't it? I mean, you know, it clearly had an effect on a, we had a better half, I think. Um, I agree, you know, um, it, you're right. If, if people know that he's going to cut in, yeah, you're right. I mean, I suppose defenders read that and they're going to try and keep him on the other side, on his other side, so he can't cut in. But um, <clears throat> certainly, I think he's been better on the right, actually. I mean, he's caused more damage, I think, crossing from the right and getting behind them on the right. But, you know, I mean, it's Tuchel knows what he's doing. If he wanted to start them the other way around, which he did, and then switch them at half-time, sometimes I think managers do that just to try and play on the, the mental game with the other manager and with the other, with the other players, sometimes just to give, to give them something else to think about. So, But I think it came off. So, yeah, I think it was a reasonable decision. Yeah, and Andy, I mean, that cross for ZX goal, I mean, that was oh, just sublime, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a fabulous goal. I think that type of approach play has become a real hallmark of Tuchel's reign so far. Uh, quick passing, uh, incisive uh, crossing. I think it's uh, it's really good, and it's such a shame that we don't have a 
uh, specialist striker at the moment to, to really take advantage of it because we'll come on and talk about the Burnley game. But that's happening more and more. We'll be able, we're, we're cutting teams to pieces uh, in in the approach play. We're just maybe not as ruthless as we could be going forward. But that was a brilliant example of how we can make that kind of approach play um, pay dividends. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't our greatest night, but... It was what fine. It was seen, perfectly fine. Absolutely. As you say, it was all about the points. Absolutely. And we just stuck at it. Sometimes you're just going to get games. You need to just stick at it. Never felt that they would score. Uh, and we just did what we had to do. And, you know, this is something we haven't really mentioned under Tuchel because we don't need to. It was an object lesson in game management as the game went on. In the fact that it's now part and parcel of our game, isn't it? That we used to talk about it with under Frank quite a lot, didn't we, Andy? Game management wasn't good. This wasn't right. That wasn't right. We don't even mention it now because it's part of the psyche, isn't it? Yeah, it, it totally is. I mean, there's there seems to be a plan for every phase of the game and and every permutation. And 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 this is the mark for me of an elite manager who doesn't just say, "Go on, lads, go out there." You know, whoever wants it more is going to win it, and all these cliches that you used to get with old school managers um, uh, or inexperienced managers. Tuchel is really thinking about every element, aspect, and phase of the game, and the players look really comfortable and are bought into to that plan and it's not Tuchel's fault that we haven't been able to convert some of the chances that we're creating I think that Tuchel has set them up to create those chances but what he can't do is head or kick the ball into the net you know and that that's that's been the issue I mean if you look and you know we, we know these stats are they're, they're the stats are complex they don't tell the whole story you know but we had 73 percent possession in that game they only had 27 percent possession we had 22 shots 11 on target it was a dominant dominant performance we only scored one goal so on paper it looks like it wasn't a shellacking uh, but it was a very dominant performance and a very comfortable performance and you know one that should hopefully see us into the next uh phase of this competition well yeah and, and that brings me on to what one other point is that we need one more point to qualify now jeff does it matter to you or do you think it matters in general in this day and age whether you finish top or second in your group do you think it doesn't matter anymore because there's just as much chance as Real Madrid finishing second in their group or as opposed to top. So even if you finish top, you might not avoid the best sides. Does it matter if we finish top or not? I think we should try to finish top and aim to finish top. But I do understand you're right. I mean, there's been a bit of a levelling out with some of the other teams dropping a touch or some of the what were inverted commas big teams and now you know Barcelona being ninth or whatever so you know some of them yeah they, they're the big name team but actually they're not on form so so you're right it, it doesn't make as much difference but I still think not not for pride reasons but just for practical reasons finishing top would be better I still think we would get a better draw in the next round if you finish top um, but obviously I think the fans all of us if we're through we're through we'll be happy you know I'd still be happy to see us through in second and think whoever we have to play we've got to beat them anyway so but I would rather finish top but yeah wouldn't wouldn't be distraught if we come in second and what about you Andy? I think the champion well I think Champions League is all about sending out signals to other teams and I think if you're dominant in the group stages you can create an element of fear factor moving into the knockout stages and I think it's important uh, when everybody is looking at you in such a high profile competition to put in elite performances uh, so that when you do come up against one of uh, you know the other top teams later in the competition, there's a certain amount of wariness from them um, because of the 
the the um, performances that you've put in. Um, you don't have to finish top. You're going to have to play the best teams anyway. The further you go into the competition, but as Jeff said, it's always preferable to do so. Yeah. Okay. Um, lastly, on the Malmo game, before we go to the break, I'd just like to talk about the first sighting for ages of Christian Pulisic because for me, he came on. Yeah. Okay. He's not match fit. He's not at the level we need him to be at. But in the short time he was on, he made some runs into positions and caused a, quite a bit of chaos and havoc that we haven't seen necessarily from, from other players. Uh, do you think if we could get him fit, he does do things that perhaps other players don't do for us? What do you think, Jeff? Yeah, he clearly can. It's just he's been, he's been so uh, troubled by injury, hasn't he? It's been so difficult for him to get a, any sort of run going. Obviously, he has in previous seasons a bit more, but... Yeah, he can do, let's be honest, he can do a little bit of what and Hazard did. I mean, it's clearly what that's what they bought him for. He was supposed to fill that void slightly. I mean, and he, he does occasionally, you know, go past a couple of players in a way where he's then taking a couple of people out of the game. And not many of our players do that. A lot of us, we're trying to pass behind their defence rather than take men out. And he's good at it. But um, the end product is what worries me. Sometimes we put a thing, that's all. You know, he, he, the number of times he gets in to the edge of the uh, six-yard box and he, a shot from there, he always goes into the side netting. You know, I mean, this is not, sounds a bit harsh, but very likely goes into the side netting. You know, he's he, he's getting into the positions and going past people. But I must say, I, would, I do think his finishing needs a little bit of work. Now, I mean, perhaps in previous... I know he scored three in one game. Against, I think that was against Burnley, actually. But, you know a hat-trick one with left foot, right foot and header, but that was a bit sort of the exception that proves the rule. Do you know what I mean? I think generally since he's come back, put it that way, recently he's finishing when he's been in on goal. I know he's only been on the pitch six minutes, but it looked like if you can get your foot around that, that is going to go in or the keeper's got to make a save and it hasn't. It's gone to the side next. So I just think maybe, maybe that's just he hasn't got enough minutes. Yeah, no, exactly. I just think you saw him making runs in a, in a kind of way we don't see from too many other players. And look, it's all about his fitness, isn't it, Andy? Yeah, look, jury's massively out on Pulisic. I think he's got huge amounts of talent. Has he got the character? Has he got the mentality? Has he got the physical consistency? Can he do this at this level week in, week out? A jury's massively out for me. We have seen him do it. He's a player of rare, natural flair and talent. There's no denying that. If a fully fit, on-form, confident Pulisic is running at you, I, I don't think there's many better in the league. However, we just haven't seen that enough. I'm not convinced we're going to see that enough. I don't know what his physical condition is going to be like moving forward. If he can put 10, 20, 30 games together and show us that he can do that week in week out nobody would be happier than me but as I say jury's out yeah I I think he's going to do it jury's in for me um (laughs) you know blind faith that's me yeah um okay listen I I, look I I I hope he does I hope he does I'm not being negative at all I hope he does I'm I'm slightly frustrated for him as much as anything that it just hasn't happened because we we could really do with a player like him firing on all cylinders um but unfortunately every time he comes in Two or three games, all my hamstrings gone. Two or three games, all my ankles gone. Oh, I've got a hip issue. You know, it does seem that his body fails him at the crucial moment. He's still very young, though. You know, well, that's be... even more worrying, isn't it? That at this well, very no. young age, that his body is 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 causing him so many issues. Well, look at Ian Robin. He his injury problems with us. 
Same sort of age. We let him go. He hardly ever missed a game then for Real Madrid and Bayern Munich for the next 10 years. No, it's it a good point. It, 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 it's a good point. But I think the injuries that Pulisic is getting are a lot more serious than the injuries that Robin were getting. Yeah, it could be. You know, or... Robin, Robin, was, Robin was getting a sore hip or he was getting a bit of a backache. He wasn't getting debilitating out for months injuries. And one of the frustrations with Robin was that he wouldn't play unless he was fully fit. And that was what Mourinho's big bugbear with him was. It's like he wouldn't go out there with a niggle whereas I think what Pulisic has got is, is a lot more than a niggle he's got proper serious injuries and they just seem to be happening on a, on a, on a recurring basis yeah okay well look that's it let's leave the Malmo game behind it's three points closer to qualification we should go to our commercial break If you want an e-bike that doesn't look like it's made for the shopping precinct, something that's less Mr Bean and more Steve McQueen, check out the range of bikes from London-based Cooler King. From dope 250-watt city bikes to Harley Bobber-inspired 750-watt beasts that can tear your face off while leaving your smile intact. Cooler Kings are made in limited numbers, yet highly affordable. Check them out now on the web at cooler.bike or find them on Instagram with hashtag CoolerKingBike. Cooler.bike. E-bikes that are cool AF. And we're back. Okay, just before we start on the Burnley game, um, I've got a question for both of you. If the Man United job became available, would Conte leave Spurs? Andy. No, no, no. I don't think he would. I think he's just signed up whatever it is for a four-year contract, isn't he? No, he's, he's not going to do that. I, I know what you're saying. Uh, if in a you know in in a um, you know sort of in a hypothetical world, uh, would he leave? I think he probably would have taken the, the Man United job over the Spurs job. Um, but I think now the fact that he's at Spurs, he, he's going he's gonna to see what he can do there. And I think he's got a very big uphill battle in front of him. It would just be such a Spursy thing to happen, wouldn't it, Jeff? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree with Andy, though. I don't think there's any way that's going to happen. But, but I do agree 100% with what Andy's just said. I think if he could have got the United job, he'd have gone there instead of Spurs. Um, but I agree with Andy. Now he's at Spurs. He's just met all the players. He's just got in there. I don't say any way it will suddenly leave. Uh, but I, he, I do agree. Might prefer the United job if he'd had the chance. Got, he's got he's got a very bland nil-nil draw against Everton under his belt. So you know, the only way is up. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm let's not see gonna... how he reacts. Let's see how he reacts when Harry Kane goes. You know, when when Harry inevitably leaves for Man City and he's left without a striker, and he then goes to the board and says, "I need a hundred million pound striker." And Daniel Levy says, "Here's some, you know, sort of." 30 year old from the Italian league Let, let's see let's see what Conte does then because I don't think it's going to end well I've got a feeling Kane will stay um, and I also don't think City want him now I think I think there's other players to buy I think he had a once only window of opportunity to go anyway we'll we'll see what happens we'll see we'll see what happens yeah. there yeah yeah all right Burnley <clears throat> well we did talk about this last week that Burnley can sometimes give us a problem and this was the weirdest of games. Um, I'm sure, Andy, you'll come out with the, the stats for possession because it was 
as you were talking about the Malmo game and the possession and 1-0, it was actually comfortable. In so many ways, Burnley was exactly the same and yet we ended up dropping two points out of this. Um, yeah. So I mean, I, I wasn't planning to give you... I can't give you the stats. I wasn't, I wasn't planning no, to. I'm just it's, curious it's, compared it's, to the it, Malmo game. Yeah, it's, it's, not a, it's not a thing that I want to kind of, you know, no. go back to and go, here's the stats. But I can give them to you. We had 70% possession to their 30%. We had 25 shots to their five. Uh, only four of our shots were on target. Two of theirs were. Sort of similar to the Malmo game. I mean, we were dominant. I mean, the opportunities that we had were amazing. You know, the, the Barkley opportunity, the Christensen opportunity. I mean, these are goals that should have gone in and probably would have done if we'd have had Romelu Lukaku standing in the middle instead of, you know, Kai Havertz and, and you know, and, and other sort of non-specialist finishing players in the middle. So, you know, it was one of those games where really should have been two or three nil up at half time uh, and the game out of sight and we weren't. And I tweeted at half time, be wary of the sucker punch. And, yeah. and sadly, I was right. Yeah, you were. And Andy, Andy, just before we really get into, because that sentence or that paragraph you just came out with, there's a lot to unpack in that. Um, yeah. The side was another intriguing Tuchel side that we probably wouldn't have predicted in certain uh, areas. Well, I mean, obviously the big glaring change that everybody went, what, was was Barkley. You know, Ross Barkley coming in uh to, to, to sit behind Havertz with, with hudson Adoy. Um, he was the real surprise. I mean, beyond that, you know, the back three sort of picked itself with Christensen, Silver and Rudiger. Uh, Chilwell and James uh, back as the fullbacks. Uh, the reliable double six of Kante and Jorginho. Uh, and as I say, Barkley, Barkley and Hudson-Odoi sitting, sitting behind Havertz. Hudson-Odoi getting another run out. But yeah, Ross Barkley was an interesting one, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was. And, and Jeff... Um... I, of course, you have, didn't see a I lot saw of the, the game. Of course, I saw all the highlights because I went and watched it as soon as I, as soon as I could in the evening after my gig. So, how much did that cost you, Jeff? <laughs> Very good. Yeah. <laughs> Two hundred pounds for the highlights. No, amazing. Uh, no. I, I've got I've got some football um, videos that you can have. I, yeah, I'll send, if you send, send, send me your sort code and your account yeah. number, yeah, <laughs> and mine are four quid cheaper than Andy's. <laughs> <laughs> no, I saw the game. I saw extensive highlights that I managed to find. No, I, um. But, I, I, yeah, I mean, the thing is with Barkley, I think if Barkley, I think it shows how much it, it turns on one moment, doesn't it? If he'd put that, that, that shot in, I think people would have said that was an amazing choice and he'd had a brilliant game. But because he missed that chance, even though he wasn't the only one that missed a chance, um, you know, people are still saying, well, he was OK, but he wasn't brilliant. But I think, actually, his play was quite good. I was quite impressed. I thought generally Barkley passing and what he did, it was quite useful. But then, and I said, had he topped it off by putting that in the top corner, everybody was saying, what a great, you know, Tuchel was a genius, you know, for putting him on to start. But then he missed that chance. And so people are still saying, well, I don't suppose he's going to play again as much, but I don't think it was too bad. I, I, I thought he was very good. I'm going to say it, you know, I mean, I'm not his biggest fan. I, I've always thought he was a sort of wasted talent and a wasted opportunity, somebody that really hadn't taken his opportunities. But considering that was his first start since the 2019-20 season, um, I thought he came in and grabbed it with both hands. It's a real shame that his last action on the pitch was to you know, blaze one over, which he should have buried. Not the first chance he sort of made a bit of a hash of during the game but his general play in midfield I thought he had a presence I thought he was intelligent in his decision making I thought his passing was good I thought his energy was good there was an awful lot to like about that Ross Ross Barkley performance and and I I want to pick you up not pick you up but pick on a word you used there which is something that we've talked about a lot in the past is 
we've thought that perhaps he's not been intelligent enough at times for Chelsea. But the majority of time, OK, finishing aside, he was making the right decisions. He was actually making the whole team tick. It was and, a very mature performance, I thought. Yeah. And, and maybe, just maybe, considering where he was just three or four months ago, when actually, from what I can gather, Chelsea tried to loan him out and nobody wanted him. Well, only because he was so expensive. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but nobody wanted him. He had but nowhere it, but they to didn't, go. But they didn't want him, not because he wasn't good enough, but it was because he just was on 120 grand a week or whatever it is. So yeah, but, just to clarify, and I know okay. what you're saying, but it, I, I think that nobody wanted him sounds pejorative. It sounds like, you know, nobody wanted him because he's not good enough. I think, you know, he's he's a player that could really do a job for a mid-table team, um, but probably not on the wages that he's on. So... That was just the clarification on that one. Thank you for the clarification. We always need a bit of clarification. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, it's incredible that, obviously, at some point in the summer, he must have ended up as one of the very few people Tuchel got to work with. And, and we, we understand this from Tuchel, that he finds, oh, actually, you're a surprise. He didn't know anything about Trevor Chalabar particularly, you know. And now look at him. He's part of the firmament of the squad for the season. And just just maybe Barkley has managed to work his way in to being thought about. Then he gets a couple of appearances and we think, oh, OK, well, maybe we'll see a little bit more. And to have given him a chance like that against Burnley. And in a way, I kind of feel sorry for Barkley himself, that the result ended up the way it did because people have talked more about, oh, Chelsea dropped two points rather than going, good Lord, Ross Barkley could actually do a job for us through this season. Jeff, Jeff's absolutely right. They're the margins. Those those slithers of margins. You know, if that had gone in, he would have been man of the match. He would have, you know, been lauded about it. We would have expected to see him making starts in, in the coming months. Um, but, you know, by the very fact that he probably leaned back a couple of inches more than he should have done, put it over the bar, you know, who knows what chaos that's going to, you know, sort of reek in his, in his Chelsea career. I, I don't know. I mean, I hope he did enough. I, I certainly saw enough for Thomas Tuchel to think, yeah, useful score player he's somebody that I'm going to rotate in and out of the team because I think that performance definitely shows to me that he's a mature maturer is that a word player uh, a, more than, mature. a more mature player than 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 we'd seen in the past um and you know if he's going to work hard if he's going to take those opportunities then then I'm for one don't you know, I, I, I'm not worried if he's if he's on the starting bench frankly yeah I, I'd agree with everything you said there now, the, Jeff um Burnley this game, it was almost a bit like a reversion to the old Chelsea of 18 months to two yeah. years ago. Yeah. Really profligate in front of goal, almost thinking, oh, well, another chance will come along. We'll talk about the goal in a moment because that was a, a moment. It was a bit like the Ziyech goal. It all revolved around a fantastic cross and then a real centre-forwards Bullet header, meeting it, no chance, classic goal. We should have moved on from there. But are you concerned that without um, what we would consider an absolute true number nine, we are needing something to make us not so profligate? Because we aren't scoring enough goals. Norwich aside, we probably, there are games we could have scored more games than more well, the goals two, than we the, the two games before that were 4 0, Kerry. Yeah, but we've seen inklings of it at times. We've been saved at times because we played against poor sides 
and finally managed to convert chances. This was the first real game where actually we were so bossing the game, it was ridiculous, and we should have been out of side. And does it concern you that this might have a mental effect on the squad to have gone back to the old ways, Jeff? Um, well, I mean, I, I think it was a bit like, it wasn't like a Mourinho game when he used to sit on 1-0 leads, which as a fan used to be nerve-wracking. You know, often often it worked. But, you know, when we had Mourinho, there were so many games where you could see we were sitting on a 1-0 lead. Uh, you know, and you would almost think Mourinho had planned that, you know. and it, it, So it wasn't quite like that. But but it did, it did sort of remind me in the sense that I think our players, I genuinely do think some of our players, not players, just didn't think we let a goal in. They just thought, well, I missed a shot, but we won it up. I missed a shot, but we won it up. I think there were some of the players that really generally didn't believe Burnley could score, literally just didn't think they'd score. So they weren't quite as, you know what I mean, quite as sharp. I mean, they weren't desperate to get a second goal. I don't think some of our players, not all of them, but I think some of the players really just thought, well, we've got this anyway, 1-0. And so maybe, maybe the focus wasn't razor sharp at all times, you know. Whereas, as Andy said, anybody with experience of watching Chelsea as a fan knows that we can get mugged at the last minute. And you think some of the players, perhaps who've come from Europe, aren't quite as aware of it as we are, that you, you don't miss that shot, you know I mean, because they might score. Andy, mm. do you think games like this are important when you're, when you're challenging for a title? Games where you discover everything you deserved is not what you got. And actually, that can galvanise a team if you use that correctly. Yeah, well, it can go both ways, can't it? As you say, it can galvanise. It can galvanise a team, uh, you know, or, or, or it could, you know, or it could sow doubt. I think we are professional enough, and we're well managed enough to shrug this one off as uh, disappointing, but not not catast- uh, catastrophic. Um, I mean, I think there's a couple of things in there. I, I think we really missed Mason Mount's energy. Um, I don't have a problem with us not playing necessarily with uh, 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 an out-and-out number nine, because if you look at Liverpool and you look at City, who are probably our two biggest rivals this season, neither neither of those teams do. Um, and they create their opportunities and finish their opportunities with players that aren't out-and-out number nine. So, you know, I think we have the personnel to be able to do that. But I think Mount is a big part of that. He obviously wasn't playing. He had a wisdom tooth issue, came on in the 85th minute. Him and Pulisic both came on in the 80th minute. Burnley scored in the 79th minute. Did Thomas leave a couple of minutes too late for those subs? I don't know. Um, I, I, you know, in Thomas we trust, but you know, maybe I'm stretching a little bit there. But I just think that we lack just that little bit of cutting edge. Although that's no excuse for not finishing the chances that we had. And Jeff, w- would you think Tuchel will take something out of this? I mean, I thought he was a little bit, you know, unfair on Burnley saying they got a, uh, you know, a point they really didn't deserve by luck. It was actually a very good goal they scored and. Sometimes you just have to be gracious in your defeat, don't you? Yeah, I mean, to be fair, I mean, interview I saw, and I saw his, you know, BBC interview, I mean, he was quite positive, to be fair. I mean, and I think that's part of the psychology he was, he was working. I mean, he said, I was delighted with the players, delighted with the performance, you know, I wasn't depressed by the performance. I saw loads of good things. Lots of people were doing great things, but we, we didn't finish our chances and we got caught, you know, by Burnley and they're a tough side. So I thought he was... Reasonable, yes, of course he said they were lucky, but as, as Andy mentioned the stats earlier, you know, 30, 70% possession and 25 shots. I mean, in, in, on paper, they were lucky to get a point out of that game. But but as we know, you know, Sean Dice is a 
good manager and, he's, and he sets up well and he's got a lot of tough you know you might call them workmen like players but they're very tough and you know durable and they don't give up and they kept trying and they kept playing and and they always you know they're bound to get a chance some as andy said when he's tweeting at half time what he tweeted you know they're we, they're always going to get a chance at least one or two and they put one away so but i yeah. I, I agree with andy i don't think i don't think the squad will be depressed by that i think they'll think well, okay you know we got caught uh, on the break uh, or whatever it wasn't really on the break but we got caught and uh, you know I think they'll come back to the next game confident I don't think it will I don't think it will affect their confidence we've got the international break I think they'll come back after that thinking right you know let's get back in stuck in and I think the, and of course with being three points clear at the top by by process of the other teams you know the other results you know let's be honest we've 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 done one out to, to, to end up three points clear and the best goal difference after that game I think will actually buoy us again and we'll think right you know we're still three points clear. Yeah, I think they'll be frustrated rather than depressed. I think um, you know it, it's important for the for the team to focus on on the long term. Here, you're going to get results like this. I, I mean, I, one thing I wanted to say though, in terms of Andreas Christensen, I mean, I said last week he hasn't put a foot wrong all season. I have to say that goal was a little bit down to him. He lost his man. And, um, you know, I don't want to be too harsh on him because I think he's been brilliant. Um, but I think we've got to call it when we see it. And I think all goals, and I've said this before, all goals by very dint of their nature are, are mistakes because otherwise you wouldn't concede any. Um, but I think he could have tracked, uh, he could have tracked the man a little bit better. Um, but that's just an observation rather than a criticism. Yeah. And, and things are going to happen. Everyone makes a mistake. You know, what I guess my point from the very beginning is that this has happened a few times this season where we've kind of given chances away, but we've been let off the hook. And this was just a case of they had one real major chance in 80 minutes and they took it. And yes, there's mistakes. We know everyone's prone to a mistake here and there, um, but they finished it off well. And yeah, I think we just move on. And don't you think Andy, considering how kind of deflating it is when suddenly it's one all and we've drawn the game at the end of the weekend after everything that happens we're in a pretty good place aren't we yeah that's what jeff said he's absolutely yeah. right you know i mean by dint of the other results we're you know three points clear and we've got a better goal difference we'd take that wouldn't we absolutely we'd take that i mean it would be nice to be a couple of more points clear um but it's uh yeah it is what it is if you're going to drop points uh do it in a week where your rivals also drop points i'm glad that liverpool you know ended up nausing it up and um you know city sort of steamrolled a fairly poor man united team i mean i think it's going to be uh it's going to be really interesting this season so it's all about who can be the most consistent i think we have the potential to be really consistent we're going to get some great players back um mason mount's now going to be back properly he was out the team because he'd lost a little bit of weight after his tooth issue um but he'll be back uh hopefully Werner will be back and and lukaku will be back and you know come the sort of the, the sort of crunch into the season hopefully we'll have all of our top players fit you know, we are going to lose our goalkeeper in January to the African Cup of Nations. But, you know, apart from that, I think we're going to be in pretty good shape. Excellent. Well, look, that, that brings us pretty much to the close of this episode. Um, it's been great chatting about things. We do now have the international break. Um, I'm hoping that we'll get Christian Pulisic back fit because he's already been chosen for USA Mexico, which means he's got a long journey. So we're probably not going to see him for a while. I, I would just rather now that he started playing, they just left him for, for a couple of weeks so he can keep on getting fit. Let's he does hope. tend to get injured on international duty as well, doesn't he? That's the problem well, with him. He's their captain, isn't he? And and 
they they chuck him in all the time, which is, you know, I, I kind of understand, but I don't really like it. Well, let's hope everyone gets back from uh, the international break fit and we can really start concentrating about the Christmas running. All right, Andy, thanks as ever. Jeff, lovely to see you. Lovely to, to hear from you. Um, we will be back with a preview show of the Leicester game just before that. Until then, enjoy international break. Thank you, Andy. Thank you, Jeff. Come on, you blues. If you want to advertise on or sponsor this show, check us out at playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network.